Let go of everyday worries and find your calm with positive prayer from Silent Unity, the newest in voice-activated technology, available on any Alexa-enabled device like the Amazon Echo. Each prayer and meditation on positive prayer will help strengthen, guide, and comfort you. To enable it, just say, Alexa, open positive prayer. You can ask for a specific prayer on topics like healing, prosperity, and comfort. Give it a try today. Providing insight and resources for your spiritual journey. Unity Online Radio. Thank you for tuning in for this Unity Partner Program. Unity Online Radio partners with spiritual leaders from organizations whose mission and messages complement Unity's. We are pleased to bring you this program on Unity Online Radio, the voice of an awakening world. Welcome to the Yoga Hour, Living the Eternal Way, offering insights and practices for spiritually conscious living today. With Yogacharya Ellen Grace O'Brien from the Center for Spiritual Enlightenment in San Jose, California. To ask questions or join in the discussion, email us at the Yoga Hour at UnityOnlineRadio.org. Now, here's your host, Yogacharya Ellen Grace O'Brien. Good morning, and welcome to the Yoga Hour, a time to open our hearts and our minds to the infinite. I'm Dr. Laurel Trujillo, sitting in for Yogacharya Ellen Grace O'Brien while she's away. Today I'll be sharing some insights and time-tested practices from the ancient system of Kriya Yoga. Yoga is a Sanskrit word that means oneness, union, or unity, the bringing together of our attention and awareness with our essential spiritual nature, to be restored to our original wholeness. Many people associate the term yoga with exercise. Kriya Yoga is a wider system including philosophy and practice for spiritually conscious, fulfilled living in today's world. As a medical doctor and longtime practitioner of Kriya Yoga, I have found it to be a comprehensive system for enhanced well-being on all levels, body, mind, and spirit. Today, our topic is Yoga and Freedom, the Prison Yoga Project, and I am joined by James Fox, the founder and director of the Prison Yoga Project, an organization dedicated to establishing yoga and mindfulness meditation programs in prisons and rehabilitation centers worldwide. Since 2002, he has been teaching yoga and meditation to male prisoners at California's San Quentin Prison, as well as other state prisons. His book, Prison Yoga Project, A Path for Healing and Recovery, has been requested and sent to over 8,000 prisoners. He provides training both in the U.S. and internationally for yoga instructors interested in teaching in prisons and rehabilitation facilities. He is specially trained in applying yoga practices for addiction recovery and trauma-related issues. Their website is prisonyoga.org. Welcome, James Fox. I'm delighted that you could join us today on the Yoga Hour. Oh, thank you for having me. Before we begin to enter into our dialogue about yoga and freedom, let's begin with a moment of meditation. Om. Let's open our hearts and our minds to the divine. One reality, called by many names, is the support and substance of all that is. Right where we are, right now, this divine essence is present as you, as me, as everyone. Within us, around us, and between us. In this moment, we simply let our attention drop from our heads 
down into our hearts. We become aware of our breath, noticing its natural flow. Not trying to change it, just noticing as we inhale and exhale. Cool air entering the nostrils. Warm air flowing out. We notice thoughts and feelings as they arise and pass away. We become aware of our essential nature beyond words and thoughts, beyond all change, beyond thought and sensation. Pure existence being, unmoving, unchanging, birthless, deathless being. Peace emanating from the essence of our being pervades the mental field, the emotional nature, and the physical body. We abide in this peace and let it overflow as blessing for all beings everywhere. Today, as part of our series on the journey of self-discovery, we're exploring yoga and freedom with James Fox, the founder and director of the Prison Yoga Project. Roy Eugene Davis, direct disciple of Paramahansa Yogananda, wrote, At our innermost level of being, the real self of us exists in wholesome purity. Here, untouched by mundane conditions and transitory events, abides undisturbed peace, pure bliss, flawless knowledge, and limitless awareness of absolute freedom. Freedom is both a benefit and a goal of practicing yoga. Everyone who practices yoga can experience many types of freedom. Physical freedom from patterns of tension in the body, freedom from repetitive thoughts, and an ability to observe our emotions more easily which enables us to respond rather than react. Freedom is also the ultimate goal of yoga, for us to realize our true nature as divine and to attain self-realization. Freedom, then, is the goal for all of us in our yoga practice, but must have particular resonance for those who are incarcerated. So, James Fox, what originally led you to teach yoga in prisons? Well, after practicing yoga for many years. I began practicing yoga in 1986, mm. and I benefited greatly from my practice. A number of the things that you mentioned before you asked me that question, I experienced myself. And I particularly experienced um, emotional benefits from the practice. The physical benefits were pretty obvious. It wasn't until I really committed myself and became a regular practitioner that I really began to experience the emotional benefits. And and then after years of practicing, I would go to yoga classes, and I wasn't quite getting what I wanted out of the classes. And Mm -hmm. I realized, well, perhaps this is a calling for me to teach. And I wasn't really clear Uh, about where I would teach or what I would teach, but I was clear that I wanted to get my certification. So this was in 2000 that I became a certified teacher. Mm -hmm. And through through that process, what became uh, clearer to me was that I didn't want to bring yoga to yoga students. I'm sorry. I didn't want to bring yoga to yoga studios. I didn't want to basically take that path. I wanted to bring yoga to people who wouldn't otherwise be exposed to yoga. And um, 
So I first began teaching youth uh, and young boys who were either in residential treatment facilities mm. or in juvenile hall. And um, what motivated me to do that was an understanding that, boy, if I would have known something like this when I was 14, 15, 16, 17 years old, um, it could have saved me a lot of suffering in my life, and it would have opened up a different path for me than uh, the path that I was on at that particular time. Um, so one thing led to the next, and that was really um, not planned. It was uh, yeah. uh, as a result of my continuing prayers, uh, asking to be of service and asking to be shown how to be of service. And so in 2002, I was asked by a nonprofit organization that was setting up a multidisciplinary rehabilitation program at San Quentin to bring yoga and, and mindfulness meditation to that program. And so for the last now almost 13 years, I've been teaching regularly at San Quentin and at, and at other prisons. Right. So that, you know, initial involvement, as you mentioned, you know, it has just really blossomed in a, you know, in an amazing way. So, you know, what, how did the prison yoga project come about? Which is, I'm not exactly sure when that, you know, when that happened. Uh-huh. Uh, yeah. <clears throat> well, a- as a result of, of being involved with this nonprofit organization, this nonprofit organization is called the Insight Prison Project. Mm-hmm. Um, from the Vipassana tradition, which um, actually was a practice of mine before I started doing yoga. Um, back in the early 1980s uh, is when I started practicing Vipassana, which is better known as mindfulness in, in the U.S., mindfulness or insight meditation. Right. Um, as the Insight Prison Project grew in its services at San Quentin, it also worked with prisoners on issues of violence prevention, offender accountability, and emotional intelligence. And so I became involved in these programs as well. And um, I became trained as a, as a facilitator in these programs. And these programs involved being with a group of prisoners, most of whom were violent offenders, for a period of a year, maybe even a year and a half, where we met weekly and uh, went into uh, issues of uh, how how did this come about? How did violent behavior, how is violent behavior learned, for instance? Because mm-hmm. violent behavior can be unlearned. And this really informed my approach to teaching yoga because all along I was teaching yoga and meditation, and at the same time I was doing this other work. Um, in 2009, which is when I wrote my book, Yoga, Path for Healing and Recovery, um, I decided I wanted to redirect my attention to yoga and meditation, hmm. that I was spreading myself a little too thin. And so I established the Prison Yoga Project in conjunction with writing the book. And then uh, in 2010, when we launched the book and started sending books to prisoners, Um, I also started training yoga teachers um, so that I could replicate the program that I had established at San Quentin and spread it to other jails and prisons. Well, it's it's really, you know, wonderful work. And I should take a moment just to acknowledge the recent award that you received um, from Yoga Journal, the Good Karma Award, and uh, also the Seva Award, Seva meaning service. So... Um, can you tell me a little bit more about how the Prison Yoga Project looks at San Quentin Prison? I understand you teach there twice a week. Is that right? That's right. In fact, after our discussion this morning, I'll be on my way to San Quentin. Um, well, it's quite a bit different than the media exposes prison life. <laughs> yeah. Um, Most of the prisoners that I work with, uh, San Quentin is a prison that is actually many prisons within a prison, Um, unfortunately, including death row, where there's 729 men on death row at San Quentin. Mm -hmm. Um, uh, Out of a population of about 4,300 men, 
about half of those men are what are called mainline prisoners, meaning they're medium security prisoners who have access to programs. And um, San Quentin is an old prison. There's not a lot of space to hold classes and run programs. So really it's, it's self-selective. Prisoners step forward who want to take programs, um, want to educate themselves um, uh, both formally and informally and, and really want to do the work that transform their lives. And a, a lot of that motivation is out of, uh, out of, uh, realizing that it's the only way they're going to get out of prison because if their life sentence with the possibility of parole, it's dependent upon getting a release date um, from the parole board. Mm. In actuality, however, and I think that anybody who, who becomes involved in their own personal development work and their own personal transformation realizes it's not necessarily an easy path to go back into one's life and really carefully examine um, those issues that um, bind us, so to speak. In fact, that's a term that we use, freeing yourself from that which binds you. Uh, so in actuality, the men do really um, difficult work, uh, and be, because so many of them came from difficult backgrounds, it necessitates going back into their lives and really self-examining uh, how they they became a violent offender, for instance. Um, but these men uh, have a fair amount of freedom during the day. Um, th- if they're involved in programs, most of the men in the prison work, so they're putting in six or eight hours of work a day doing some kind of work. Um, then if they have classes, they're committed to going to their classes. And then the prison pretty much gets locked down at 8 o'clock at night. And then, of course, there are interruptions in programming because of issues that arise in the prison. There could be uh, fights and things like that, and the prison gets locked down periodically, or there could be even health concerns. Um, For instance, you know, if the norovirus comes through San Quentin, the facility is locked down for at least three weeks as a result of uh, county health regulations. And so it's one of the things I like to say is when you step inside of prison, expect the unexpected. It's not a world. It's not a world that we're used to. Um, It's also not necessarily dangerous um, because uh, there's a high level of security and because most prisoners value the freedom that they do have, so when they're out um, in the general population and they're able to go to work or go to classes or exercise and things like that, it's usually something that's, that's valued. Other prisons, it's quite a bit different. Other higher security prisons, it is very different. Hmm. Um, they are more um, dangerous. But... The outside people, there's not a lot of danger to outside people. Um, By and large, people who come in with programs um, are really appreciated uh, because prisoners feel forgotten and they feel stigmatized and they feel misunderstood. And a lot of that, again, has to do with the way that the media portrays them. The media doesn't tell the good stories. you could do you could do a program every day for a year about all the good things that are happening at San Quentin State Prison, mm. and mm. people would be amazed at the kind of transformative work that's being done there. Right. So when we look at people who are in prison, the temptation is to view imprisonment as something that is affecting them and not us. However, mm-hmm. yoga's perspective is that self-realization is the only real liberation and that we are all imprisoned until we are fully awake. When we forget who we are, we get caught in our thoughts and experience experiences and imprisoned by them. The ultimate prison is in our own minds and begins with avidya or ignorance of our true nature. So how can – how does that perspective um, – you know, color your work, basically. Well, there are a couple of other things that come up for me, too. In the tradition of yoga, there's the whole um, understanding of non-duality. 
um, this um, um, misperception, avidya misperception, that uh, we're separate from one another. Um, and in reality, um, there are aspects of myself and everybody, even those aspects of myself that I have a difficult time accepting. Um, so there's that general understanding and, and also this understanding of one of the things that keeps us from freedom is this constant misperception, misunderstanding that um, involves the rational mind. Mm. This constant evaluating. If, if one examines um, the rational mind, um, the critical mind, so rational mind, critical mind, one realizes that the mind has this propensity to constantly be evaluating, to constantly be judging. And this in and of itself is um, imprisonment. This is a lack right. of freedom. Right. And so I'm going to cut in. Yeah. I'm going to cut in right there, James. It's sure. such a great conversation, and uh, it's time for us to go to a break. You're listening to the Yoga Hour with guest James Fox, founder and director of the Prison Yoga Project. You can learn more about the Prison Yoga Project at the website prisonyoga.org. I'm Dr. Laurel Trujillo, sitting in for Yogacharya O'Brien. When we come back from the break, we'll explore explore freedom through asana pranayama and meditation please stay with us we'll be right back wouldn't you like to share the programs that inspire you most with audiences around the world that's easier than ever with mobile giving just text unity radio to 72727 and help us continue offering spiritual programs that change lives Hello, listeners. Did you know we've gone mobile? That's right. Your favorite Unity online radio programs are available on your mobile device. Now you can take us with you wherever you go. Using apps from Live 365 or Stitcher, you can listen to Unity online radio live or on demand. To learn more, visit Unity online radio and click on mobile listening. Like life, grief is a journey, not a destination. Whether it is loss of life, relationship, security, or simply the process of change, have you given yourself permission to begin your journey of grief? Have you yielded to the gift of grace? Join Reverend Chaz Wesley every Thursday at 5 p.m. Central on a virtual navigation from grief to grace and explore new horizons of empowerment, significance, and support only on Unity Online Radio, the voice of an awakening world. You're listening to The Yoga Hour, Living the Eternal Way. With Yogacharya Ellen Grace O'Brien. We now return to the Yoga Hour. Welcome back to the Yoga Hour. I'm Dr. Laurel Trujillo, sitting in for the Yoga Hour's regular host, Yogacharya O'Brien. I'm joined today by James Fox, founder and director of the Prison Yoga Project. James also teaches seminars, both nationally and internationally, to yoga teachers who are interested in teaching yoga in prisons and rehabilitation facilities. Today we're discussing yoga and freedom. Paramahansa Yogananda, a Kriya yoga teacher who came to the United States from India in 1920, said, The saints have found that happiness lies in a constant mental state of unruffled peace during all the experiences of earthly dualities. A changeable mind perceives a changeable creation and is easily disturbed. The unchangeable soul and the unruffled mind, on the other hand, behold behind the masks of change the eternal spirit. The goal of yoga is to develop that unruffled mind and to begin to live from our unchangeable soul. 
Patanjali's Yoga Sutras, a classic yoga text, outlines the three principal practices of Kriya Yoga, self-discipline, self-study, and self-surrender, all of which are necessary to attain yoga's ultimate goal of freedom or liberation. So James Fox, how can the self-study part of yoga, or svadhyaya, help us to see more about the places we are free and the places we are each imprisoned? So I feel this is directly uh, related to mindfulness. And, um, you know, mindfulness has become somewhat of a buzzword today. I mean, even 60 Minutes has done a program on mindfulness, which is fantastic because it's gotten to the point where it's that well-known. It all begins with self-awareness. And um, what I mean by that is not self-awareness as the persona, but self-awareness as as the divine, as you've referred to it, um, that um, essence of ourselves that's beyond the persona, and really developing the skill of self-awareness. So it's, and we could talk for a couple hours about this. Right. It's not. It's not just when we're in seated meditation. Mm-hmm. Mindfulness is a body-centered awareness practice that's a skill that we learn to carry with us throughout our days and throughout our lives so that we refine this um, ability to look inside ourselves and realize when we are not consciously aware. A great practice of mindfulness is not just bringing the mind into an unruffled state of peacefulness, but noticing when the mind is not in a state of peacefulness. Right. Because for most of us, for probably the vast majority of us, that's the case. So setting up some kind of, particularly when you're working with people who haven't done a lot of this kind of spiritual study, this kind of what could be considered alternative spiritual study, who come from more traditional uh, religious backgrounds, Mm -hmm. um, to set up some kind of a system, well, this is how you do it, and if you don't do it, you're a failure. And imagine, you know, if you're working with people who've been offenders and prisoners, to just to set up another um, kind of an approach to them that they're not going to be able to reach. Right. Um, But really noticing, really becoming very much aware of, the mind, and as I referred to before, understanding when we're engaged in the rational and the critical mind and when we're engaged more um, with actually what we call uh, the second brain, which is part of the body, and uh, really out of the rational mind and uh, the critical mind and in the body and experiencing sensations in the body and experiencing sensation in the heart. And um, this is the real self-discipline of being able to disengage from preoccupations of the mind and draw one's awareness into the body as a guide uh, and really to achieve the balance of mental, emotional, and physical, which opens the door to spiritual. Yes, absolutely. Yeah, um, the mindfulness uh, meditation that you mentioned, um, of course, has been very widely studied, as have some other branches of meditation. And of course, all these types of meditation, including even you know, things like centering prayer uh, in the um, Catholic tradition, um, certainly mm-hmm. other types of meditation, they really show these changes you know, in the brain that allow us to develop this witness consciousness where we are able to... Um, notice ourselves as we begin to react and it opens up a space then that we can make different choices. Exactly. So the, the, the scientific research has indicated a lot of this and the, the effects of meditation on the prefrontal cortex of the brain, which is the executive functioning part of the brain that provides one with more of an overview and interrupts reactive behavior. Um, developing one's ability to respond rather than react. Right. And then, and this is the core, this is really the core skill of being able to impart to people as part of yoga. 
because one of the things I'm fond of saying to my students at San Quentin, if you get into a confrontation while you're in the prison with another prisoner or maybe with a guard, what are you going to do? Break out into warrior two pose? <laughs> yeah. No, you're going to remember you're going to be able to drop into yourself and make the change. And that, that usually involves connecting with the breath, too, that pranayama right. and meditation, if you want to call it meditation, I call it centering, that those are, those are intricately connected to one another, that both of them support one another. You, it's, it's very difficult to be able to maintain self-awareness without being able to use the breath. And this is such a right. gift that we have. Um, Indeed. It, yes. <clears throat> so um, the second uh, practice that I mentioned of um, the um, Kriya Yoga practices, the uh, first one was self-study, as we've been talking about, and then self-discipline or tapas is built yes. by many, many yoga practices, everything from holding a pose that might be uncomfortable to mm-hmm. making a commitment to a daily practice of meditation. So what mm-hmm. role does self-discipline or tapas play in becoming freer? Um, exercising willpower. I mean, in order to be free, we have to engage our will, our God-given will. Um, mm. and, and discipline plays a, a major role in, um, in becoming free. Um, I, I see it as a path from beginning with, uh, I want to make a change in my life. Well, that's not enough. Wanting to make a change in life is not enough for any of us who've made changes in our lives. <laughs> Right. We have to bring discipline to making the change, and not only discipline, but commitment. Um, and it's a lifelong process, uh, uh, and, and particularly with people who haven't really been exposed to a lot of discipline. They, they, they haven't been, they were not raised uh, and taught a lot of discipline. Um, discipline plays a, a, a major role. Um, and so, and, and of course, asana practice really supports uh, discipline as well. Um, as you mentioned, you know, holding difficult poses. And of course, the other great benefit of asana practice is it discharges accumulated stress and anxiety and trauma that's held in the body. And this is particularly important because uh, the focus of uh, another major focus of our work is to release trauma uh, because most people in prison have been trauma impacted. Right, right. So we've talked about the self-study <clears throat> and about the self-discipline. Uh, so the third practice is self-surrender, the recognition that we are not the ego, but rather that our higher true self is divine. Um, so how does this practice of self-surrender contribute to our freedom? the lifelong question, huh? That's right. Um, <laughs> it's, um, I like to, ref- I, 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 I talk about samadhi in, in my, how does one experience samadhi? Right. And with, with my students. So it, it's so important to keep things as practical as possible uh, mm-hmm. with this multicultural group of, of men that I work with. And when I talk about samadhi, I talk about that we're engaged in our yoga practice and the persona, our identification with our personalities, disappears. We, we, we lose that identity long enough to drop into our true essence. And this is the experience of samadhi. This is the experience of, of, of real freedom where we're no longer identified with the persona. We've merged with the divine, with the essence of who we really are. Um, uh, So, I don't know if that's answering your question. Um, No. No, I thought that that was great. Yeah. mm -hmm. So, in your book, you detail the three practices that make up the prison yoga project as asana or postures, uh, pranayama or, you know, breath uh, control uh, or breath uh, direction, I guess, and meditation. 
So these disciplines are all, are each, part of the Eightfold Path of Raja Yoga, or mm-hmm. Royal Yoga, as set forth in, in Patanjali's Yoga Sutras. So the, the, um, each of them, of course, has, you know, has, uh, benefits, for example, and, you know, performing physical yoga postures, um, will trigger the, um, will release, actually, the stress response, uh, trigger the relaxation response, and, um, can also, you know, have improvements in moods, such as uh, anxiety and depression. And then, as you mentioned, you know, the pranayama, the, the awareness of breath is so helpful in keeping us, it's such a wonderful tool to keep us in that, in that present moment. So, um, why don't you say a little bit more about um, the practice of, uh, you know, for example, pranayama, and how how do you see that contributing in in the prison yoga project, and how does that help contribute to freedom? Mm-hmm. Um, again, in keeping things practical and in, in introducing yoga to this population, sometimes I refer to these practices as a three layered cake, and at the bottom. <laughs> <That's great. laughs> And that the bottom, the bottom layer of the cake is, is the centering practice, is the ability to draw one's attention within and let go of thinking. It's virtually impossible to let go of thoughts, but you don't have to engage in the thoughts and begin thinking. So letting go of thinking and drawing one's awareness into sensations in the body. And this is, this is helped by the pranayam practice, by the, by the breathing practice, which is the middle layer of the cake. Hmm. And um, the, the icing on the cake, or the third layer of the cake, so to speak, is the asana practice, hmm. or the physical uh, movements. And isn't it interesting that pranayama is in the middle? So it has the opportunity to influence both the centering and the grounding aspect of the practice, as well as the movement aspect of the practice. That hmm. The two, what the two have most in common is pranayama, and that we have this, we've got this, this God-given gift of breath to bring ourselves into a state of awareness, to release tension in the body. And so it really begins, the practice really begins with being consciously aware of breathing, rather than engaging in a lot of the pranayama practices, although we do engage in some of them. Um, being consciously aware of breathing and particularly being aware of exhale. And in, in the beginning, working with extended exhale as a way of releasing stress and tension in the body to begin to bring about peacefulness in the body, to prepare the mind and the body for this state of peace and this state of rest. So, Exhale is a major, major, I call it, I I let my guys know, don't forget that your exhale is the body's built-in release valve. Mm. That if you're experiencing tension, if you're having a difficult time getting out of your mind, that it's not in the inhale where you're going to find the relief. It's in the exhale that you're going to find the relief. And then using the breath in different ways to engage the relaxation response in the body, the parasympathetic. And that's where you're able to combine asanas, postures, with breathing to bring about relaxation. And students get to have a real felt sense experience of, oh my gosh, I feel relaxed after that. I feel more at peace. Mm. And you really get to understand how the complete yoga practice really facilitated meditating for longer periods of time. So then if you look at the eight limbs of yoga, the foundational principles that you brought up of of Raja Yoga, you can clearly see how these different limbs are active in in a complete yoga practice. Um, and in a traditional yoga practice. Unfortunately, a lot of the yoga that's done in in public and in the U.S. isn't complete or traditional. Yeah, but it's quite true. Yeah, Right. But if you look at the limbs, if you look at, for instance, if you look at pratyahara, drawing one's awareness inward, dharana, focus and concentration, this is where the discipline comes in, focus right. and concentration, 
dhyana where you extend the focus and concentration. And then asana, pranayama support these, these uh, self-reflective practices. And then, of course, the yamas and the niyamas are <clears throat> ways of living one's life in a, in, in a righteous manner. Um, oh, that so, was really just a, a really lovely overview of the eight limbs of yoga. It was great. Um, so uh, we've talked a bit about uh, meditation, and uh, I did want to ask you uh, this uh, particular question because the book does include a meditation on forgiveness, which yeah. I would imagine um, is useful. So has that been useful in your um, in your you're teaching at San Quentin and for your students? Yeah, very much so. Um, I mean, self-forgiveness, of course, is the big, is the big one. <laughs> um, a lot of the men that I work with have taken somebody's life. Mm. Um, and it, it, it certainly doesn't mean that they were, they were serial killers because they weren't, they wouldn't, they wouldn't be in this, this situation, they made a they made a huge mistake in their mm. lives at one time, and sometimes when you understand their stories, you understand how it could happen. You don't condone it happening, but you can understand how it happened right. based on their backgrounds and where they came from, and so on and so forth. So that's like that's the biggie. Self-forgiveness. How can I forgive myself? Mm. And um, here we are again with this non-duality, non-separation. And, you know, we think that, well, there are those prisoners over there who are working on self-forgiveness. And then here we are. Right. We're separate from them. Right. I don't find that to be true at all. <laughs> yeah. Um, yeah. And uh, how can I forgive myself for harm I've caused in my life? Right. How can I? And and if I can forgive myself, and I can you know, and I can work with that, then the odds are I I will not continue to create harm. Right. And, and on that um, and on that note, we need to move to another okay. break. It's just fantastic sure. conversation. You're listening to the Yoga Hour. I'm Dr. Laurel Trujillo, sitting in for regular host Yogacharya O'Brien. Today's guest is James Fox, founder and director of the Prison Yoga Project. You can learn more about the Prison Yoga Project at the website, prisonyoga.org. We welcome your comments and questions. You can contact us at yogahour at unity.fm. Please stay with us. We'll be right back to explore more about yoga and freedom. Hello, listeners. Did you know we've gone mobile? That's right. Your favorite Unity online radio programs are available on your mobile device. Now you can take us with you wherever you go. Using apps from Live 365 or Stitcher, you can listen to Unity online radio live or on demand. To learn more, visit Unity online radio and click on mobile listening. experience the peace and joy promised by A Course in Miracles? Or are you still struggling to truly live your beliefs from moment to moment? Let Rev. Jennifer Hadley help you focus on your intent to be the love, be the peace through practical application by walking your talk. Experience the healing live every Tuesday at 10 a.m. Central on A Course in Miracles, Living the Love, Walking the Talk. Only on Unity Online Radio, the voice of an awakening world. You're listening to The Yoga Hour, Living the Eternal Way, with Yogacharya Ellen Grace O'Brien. If you have a question, please submit it via email at theyogahour at unityonlineradio.org. And we will respond. Now, back to the Yoga Hour.
You're listening to the Yoga Hour, Living the Eternal Way, with Yogacharya Ellen Grace O'Brien. If you have a question, please submit it via email at the Yoga Hour at UnityOnlineRadio.org, and we will respond. Now, back to the Yoga Hour. Welcome back to the Yoga Hour. I'm Dr. Laurel Trujillo, sitting in for the Yoga Hour's regular host, Yogacharya Ellen Grace O'Brien. My guest today is James Fox, founder and director of the Prison Yoga Project and author of the book, Prison Yoga Project, A Path for Healing and Recovery, which has been requested by and sent to over 8,000 prisoners. You can learn more about the Prison Yoga Project at the website, prisonyoga.org. In describing freedom, Paramahansa Yogananda said, true freedom consists in performing all actions, eating, reading, working, and so forth, in accordance with right judgment and choice of will, not in being compelled by habits. Eat what you should eat and not necessarily what you are used to. Do what you ought to do, not what your bad habits dictate. It's only when you discard bad habits that you are really a free man. So yoga, as any other discipline, does require practice and perseverance. What are the biggest obstacles for your students in their practice of yoga? Well, that um, uh, Yogananda hit it right on the head. Yeah. (laughs) These um, ingrained, um, poor, uh, bad behavioral patterns, you know, is one of the things, one of the expressions that we use. Uh, in working with men and reminding them is that, you know, when you're up against it, when you're experiencing stress, when you're, what, what happens is you, you end up falling back on old patterns of behavior that no longer serve you. And that practices like yoga and meditation and um, really learning emotional literacy helps you to change these old really survival habits, these behavioral, a lot of these poor, bad behavioral habits came from survival that, you know, mm-hmm. you, you, you engaged in this behavior as a way to survive, as a way to meet your survival needs. Um, so those, those are the greatest obstacles. And I would say the other one is, is what we had talked about before is discipline. Right. Is, is actually really learning to have discipline in your life to make the kind of changes that you want to make and to and to learn new new skills. So let's see. Bad habits and lack of discipline. Hmm. I I can relate can relate <laughs> to those as issues. <laughs> right. Um, so you've already mentioned that uh, many, if not most, prisoners have a history of trauma or addiction. And I really love this quote in your book, uh, which is from uh, Bessel van der Kolk who's a physician and professor of psychiatry at Boston University School of Medicine and pioneer researcher in the field of trauma. And his quote is, the memory of trauma is imprinted on the human organism. I don't think you can overcome it unless you learn to have a friendly relationship with your body. So I just I really appreciated that quote. How does the practice of yoga help us to have a friendlier relationship with our bodies? Mm. Yeah. <clears throat> well, for uh, most uh, yoga practitioners, I think they 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 clearly understand that once they um, begin to practice. Um, <clears throat> Dr. Vanderkolk wrote a book called "The Body Keeps the Score," mm. which is a line that I use um, frequently when I'm when I'm teaching my classes. And, and to remind my students that all the variety of traumas that you've experienced in your life, if you if if you didn't deal with those traumas, if you were not able to, and the the correct term is discharge the trauma from your body, <clears throat> the trauma found a place to settle in your body, and has impacted your body as much as as it has impacted your mind. Mm. Um. So when you begin to engage in the combination of mindfulness and yoga, which I don't separate the two. In fact, one of the things that I say is that um, if your yoga practice is not a mindfulness practice, you're not doing yoga. 
that the two are intertwined. Yoga is a mindfulness practice of paying attention moment to moment to what's going on, thoughts, emotions, sensations in the body. So that when you begin to do a yoga practice, you begin to develop a greater sense, first of all, a greater sensitivity to yourself. You're able to deal with the dissociative effects of trauma, the non-feeling effects of trauma, um, the ways that you have disengaged from your body and, for instance, use drugs or alcohol or other things to basically deal with the pain and suffering that you've experienced in your life. And you begin to do a yoga practice and you begin to create a more friendly, hopefully, you begin to create a more friendly relationship with your body. You begin to understand ways that you have harmed your body and hopefully you begin to develop the discipline, I don't want to do that anymore. I want to be more sensitive to myself. Right. And, and then if the practice itself, you're able to begin, if the practice is oriented properly, you're, you're able to begin to discharge the trauma that's been held in the body that could be long-term trauma, could be original trauma that's held in the body that really hasn't been addressed. And the wonderful thing about that is that you don't necessarily have to bring up the traumatic event. The body keeps the score. So just as the body keeps the score in holding the trauma, the body keeps the score in releasing the trauma. The body has its own wisdom. You know, the, the, in, in, in Buddhism, the wisdom body is something that's spoken about a lot. The body has its own wisdom, and there's a great deal of research that's been done on that. And I had mentioned earlier in our conversation the second brain, which uh, both in Chinese medicine and in yoga, the core of the body, the, the lower belly is recognized as the region of the, lower, of, of the second brain, the dantian in, in right. Chinese, and the hara in yoga, mm-hmm. recognized. And this is, this is what becomes stronger. This is what becomes developed as a result of, of practicing yoga. And, um, and, of course, all of this is, yoga is a complementary therapy. It's not the end all. I mean, right. trauma has become a big uh, recognized issue in our culture. We live in a society um, where we're impacted by trauma all the time, even if it's vicarious trauma. And by that I mean by hearing stories of trauma, which we hear all the time. Right. And if we really are aware, we understand, how, how does that land in my body when I hear the story about children being kidnapped in Africa and, you know, uh, everything? Uh, we're dealing with trauma all the time, and then we're dealing right. with our own personal traumas or unresolved trauma. Right. So we're coming up to the close of the program. I can't remember a yoga hour that's gone so quickly. So um, in the last, like, uh, just few moments here, is there an inspiration that you'd like to leave with our listeners? Mm. Um. Or perhaps a wish for the Prison Yoga Project. You know what would that? What would your wish be? Well, my wish would be that uh, that yoga be exposed to more and more um, populations that uh, wouldn't otherwise be exposed to it. That you don't have to go to a yoga studio. I mean, this is actually happening. But um, and the and the other thing is my wish and inspiration to people is in terms of karma yoga, putting yoga into action, putting your practice, whatever your self-awareness, your consciousness practice is, being of service somehow. Find an outlet. Go ahead. Find an outlet for yourself. Find an outlet and take action. Yeah. yeah, and take action and, and reap the rewards of self-fulfillment as a result of that. Mm. Oh, lovely. You've been listening to the Yoga Hour. It's been my pleasure to share this time with you. I'm Dr. Laurel Trujillo, sitting in for Yogacharya O'Brien. 
We've been discussing yoga and freedom, the Prison Yoga Project. You can find out more about our guest, James Fox, and the Prison Yoga Project at the website, prisonyoga.org. Thank you so much, James Fox, for joining us. Thank you, Laurel. Namaste. Namaste. Join us next week for Breathe Easy with Pranayama, a conversation about conscious breath regulation with guest Amy Wheeler, PhD, professor of kinesiology at California State University at San Bernardino, yoga therapist and yoga teacher trainer. For more information about CSE, visit csecenter.org. Remember to subscribe to the Yoga Hour podcast at iTunes. I look forward to being with you again when Yogacharya O'Brien is away. Until then, remember, you carry your own healing and wholeness within you. Share your peace and joy with all you meet. Bye. Thank you for tuning in to The Yoga Hour, Living the Eternal Way, with Yogacharya Ellen Grace O'Brien. Join us every Thursday morning at 10 a.m. Central, 8 a.m. Pacific, for practical, purposeful methods for spiritually conscious living every day. The Yoga Hour, Living the Eternal Way, only on Unity Online Radio, the voice of an awakening world. This program is brought to you in part by friends and members of the Center for Spiritual Enlightenment in San Jose, California a ministry in the tradition of Kriya Yoga, the ancient science of self and God realization. www.csecenter.org Request free literature by writing info at csecenter.org of spiritually conscious living start now for a time-tested method to live with purpose and release your infinite potential tune in to the yoga hour living the eternal way with yogacharya ellen grace o'brien every thursday morning at 10 a.m central 8 a.m pacific only on unity online radio the voice of an awakening world the peace and joy promised by A Course in Miracles? Or are you still struggling to truly live your beliefs from moment to moment? Let Rev. Jennifer Hadley help you focus on your intent to be the love, be the peace, through practical application, by walking your talk. Experience the healing live every Tuesday at 10 a.m. Central on A Course in Miracles, Living the Love, Walking the Talk, only on Unity Online Radio, the voice of an awakening world. Inspiration only takes a moment. We invite you to consider these words from Unity author Charles Roth. Live deeply in the present moment. If you are going to work on the premise that real energy, real excitement, that feeling of being fully and enthusiastically alive comes from a source within you, then it follows that you have to spend some time getting acquainted, being at home in those far reaches of inner space. Peace is power, for out of stillness, strength is born, and out of inner harmony, productivity flourishes. Rest in that inner peace. This meditative moment is brought to you by Unity. If I were brave, I'd walk the razor's where fools and dreamers dare to and never lose faith. How is life working for you? Would it be okay with you if life got easier, simpler, yet more meaningful and vibrant? Join certified life coach Carla McClellan Tuesday afternoons for Vibrant Living. Each week, Coach Carla and her guests will share strategies and solutions designed to make your life more vibrant 
Is there something in your life you'd like help with? A dream you'd like to achieve? A relationship you'd like to improve? Call into the show toll-free for Coaching with Carla. That's Vibrant Living, Life Coaching with Carla. Tuesdays at 3 p.m. Central on Unity Online Radio, the voice of an awakening world. What if we're all meant to do what we secretly dream? Let go of everyday worries and find your calm with positive prayer from Silent Unity, the newest in voice-activated technology, available on any Alexa-enabled device like the Amazon Echo. Each prayer and meditation on positive prayer will help strengthen, guide, and comfort you. To enable it, just say, Alexa, open positive prayer. You can ask for a specific prayer on topics like healing, prosperity, and comfort. Give it a try today. 